Welcome to CEO On The Go, the show about personal and professional growth for busy leaders like you. I'm your host, Gail Lance, and together we'll be exploring the people side of leadership. You'll learn how to better engage and inspire those around you and yourself. So let's get started. Welcome back to CEO On The Go. You're listening to part two of the episode on figuring out what's next for you. I thought the topic was so important that it deserved to be discussed in two separate episodes. In part two, I'm continuing my conversation with my guest expert and friend, John Lees, one of the best known career strategists in the UK. John brings significant expertise and experience to the conversation. He's authored 15 books on work and career management. John and I met many years ago at a two-week life work planning workshop in Oregon that attracted people from all over the world. It was one of the most memorable and influential experiences that I've had. To learn more about my own story and to get the most out of part two, make sure you go back and listen to the previous episode first if you haven't done that already. We covered a lot of ground discussing some of the challenges that you might be facing. In part two, we focus more on some of the practical things you can do. I know that if you're like most people I work with, you want to take some kind of action. So I think you'll find some great ideas today. Just remember, it's important to make sure that you're thinking clearly first before you take action. But before we get to the rest of the conversation, I realized that I had forgotten to mention an important idea to keep in mind as you listen. Obviously, I'm guessing that if you're listening today, you have some personal interest in the topic. Maybe you are thinking about what's next for yourself. But I hope that you'll consider some takeaways that could also help you in your own leadership with people on your team. Now, you don't have to be a career coach or therapist or counselor, but you can be extremely influential in helping people who are thinking about or who should be thinking about what's next doesn't mean they need to move on necessarily. It might be that you could help them think bigger, make a better impact in your organization, maybe redefining their role or helping them step into a new role of some kind that's aligned with their natural strengths and interests. Often your top performers or highly motivated people are already thinking ahead and considering what's next. It's the ones who have become more complacent or who seem to be plateauing that might appreciate support in their thinking through these issues. They often appear to be frustrated, disappointed, depressed. Even top performers may demonstrate some of these signs. And those signs can actually be a good thing. They are simply indicators to let you know that something is off. If you feel those kinds of emotions, it could be a sign that it's time to catapult in another direction or maybe just to ease into something that will be better for you. We're in fourth quarter as of this recording, so this is a typical time for many organizations to be doing annual performance reviews, looking back and rating how employees did in different areas. I always think it's better to do an annual performance preview of some kind, where you focus much more on what you anticipate in the future, but that's probably an idea for another podcast episode. My point is that helping other people think through what's next can be energizing for them and you, and it can open up new ideas that they may not have considered, giving them hope, ideas, and and renewed energy. As I think I mentioned in part one, I don't do as much one-on-one work anymore for people contemplating some kind of career change or transition, 
but there is tremendous need. And sometimes I'm contacted by a spouse who wants me to help their husband or wife who feels stuck. And sometimes I hear from a parent who wants to help their child. It could be a a grown daughter or son who seems to be lost or disillusioned or dissatisfied in their work in some way. Sometimes it's just a friend trying to help a friend. As much as they would like to help, it's important that the person that they're wanting to help has the motivation to want to help themselves. And even if you're not a CEO in a business or organization, I think everyone should consider themselves to be CEO of their own career, establishing a vision for themselves and and being guided by some kind of mission or purpose that's meaningful to them. So one of the most important things you can do if you're trying to help someone else in your family or network or on your team is to build their belief that they can take charge and move themselves forward in their own way. I see too many people reach a point where they feel helpless, confused, or lost. I know I've been there many times, which is probably why I continue to be dedicated to this issue. So help them work on their belief about themselves and their own ability to figure out what's next. They'll figure out how to move forward on their own. Speaking of the how part, it's time to continue my conversation with John. So listen for actionable ideas that you can use or share. It may trigger other ideas to consider. Hope you enjoy. Sounds like we've covered a lot of different scenarios that I'm sure people can relate to. And I'm grateful that you've shared your insights to share the picture that you're seeing. And and it might be helpful now to focus more on some of the practical things that leaders can do to move themselves through these times and really come out with more clarity and more traction about whatever it is that they want to move toward next. So why don't we just start with process? What are some some ways, starting points even, that executives can think about when they're at this place of, you know, what is it that I really want to want to do next? Even if I don't have it all figured out, I need to feel like I'm doing something. <laughs> so many are action-oriented. So, And that's fair. And that's actually very healthy because yes. turning, turning a question into action steps is always a good idea. Well, if you start with one of the questions we touched upon, which was um, – job fragility and do I go or do I stay, then that, that's just, you need to turn that from an emotional process, an emotional turmoil, emotional state into into an action-focused activity. So that means some objectivity, doesn't it? Which it's, it's just, you're checking with a, a mentor or a great executive recruiter or anybody that can actually just take two steps back from you and where you are and say, what are the opportunities for you where you are right now? How can you adapt or change or do something else inside the same organization? And, and objectively, what are the organizations, what are the opportunities, I should say, if you go elsewhere? And the key question is always, what impact will that have on your resume or your CV, as I would say over here? What impact does that change have as well? Because that's also objective information. So it starts to say, here's two scenarios and you look at them with equal objectivity. So you get out of this loop. Do I go or do I stay? It's neither or, isn't it? I'm either in or I'm out. Now it becomes, what's the next best phase of my career? What does that look like? Right. It's a whole different question. Yeah. And it's very hard to do that on your own because you are in an emotional state yeah. of, di- of simultaneously disengaging and re-engaging 
with, even if it's your own business and you're, and, you're, and you're thinking, do I carry on in this business or do I go into a big corporate? It's the same thing. Yeah. Simultaneous. Yeah. Yes, yes. And, you know, to your point about being able to open up to possibilities and understand what those are, one of the, the pieces of advice that I've been offering some of my clients is to schedule even virtual coffees or conversations with people who are in the know about trends or just to compare notes on trends in the field, uh, much like the informational interviewing process that you and I are so familiar with, to not uh, try to approach people from the perspective of asking for uh, any kind of role or any uh, even expectation that you would be making any leap at this point, but just to get a better perspective on what's happening out there. I'm amazed at so many executives who jump to conclusions or think that they know without really testing out their assumptions or um, you know get, getting a broader perspective on really what's happening through other people's lenses. So that's one specific action step I've been suggesting is just to reach out to someone in your network, maybe once a week, just for a casual conversation. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? Um, and if it's someone that you're that you trust, you could often say, I'm, I'm just thinking through some ideas right now, just in early stages of thinking about what's next. And I like that. So we've, we've got two ideas here. One is getting an objective opinion, a snapshot of where you are. Yours is about... Uh, really tuning in to what's out there and what possibilities are. And I think I would, if I may offer in a third as well, which is if, if, if change is a possibility, then, then start exploring. So that might not be about finding out what's going on in your sector. It might be about tuning in with people in other sectors. But as you quite rightly say, it's not a job search conversation. It's not saying, how do I, how would I fit in? How do I get hired? It's saying, what's happening in your world and your life and how do other people get into it is all the, as you say, it's another kind of information interview, but it's really, really important that people do that honestly for themselves and for other people. So rather than saying, I'm looking for a job, you simply say, I'm exploring. Yes. Yes. The phrase. <laughs> just looking at ideas. I'm exploring. And you find out so much that way, but it's also, and of course, the lovely thing is you are remembered and people make connections for you and throw ideas at you and you know, it all works. But uh, it, it's quite good if you're going to start looking over the fence to stop worrying about whether looking over the fence is a good idea and just to do it because you're only looking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I do seriously think people put the decision, decision in the wrong place. So, you know, do I leave this job? It's a big decision and people worry about making the decision. Now, then. The, mo the critical decision is who you're going to talk to tomorrow. That's the most important decision. We, we, we kind of get locked into this big thing. Do I take another job? Do I uh, reinvent myself? And you, you actually decide that along the way. Right. But if you, if you are not going to move until you've made a decision, then you're, then you're in lockdown. You, you really are not going to make any change at all. Yeah, I know that uh, leaders especially may be conditioned to have the vision like for their business, you know, clear so, so that they can develop action plans. Um, and it really the same, I, I give the same advice from a business perspective and leadership. It, it doesn't have to be crystal clear. You just have to know the direction that you need to be heading in and allow that vision to take shape or, or change a little bit if it needs to, but not wait to have everything so, quote, figured out or so perfected 
but to be be in motion to um, to move forward in some way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, most people, most senior people in business who've made big ideas work, they'll usually say to you that they got the idea about eighty percent right, but they gave it one hundred percent commitment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in other words, it doesn't have to be perfect. Right, you just have to be about right. And then you just get behind it. And it's also true in career decisions. You don't wait for the perfect thing to come along. You look at a range of things that are a good deal, a good match. And then when you find one that's about right and feels good, you just go for it. Yes. What about people? We touched on career assessments or or tools that can help people gain more self-awareness. Is that an action step that some people might want to consider if they feel like they may lack uh, some self-awareness or they just, some people just need validation that, yeah, that, oh, these are my strengths or these are some areas that I know that I might want to develop or my behavioral style. Yes. So what are, what are your thoughts? I, I certainly find in terms of career transition that people are, are at different stages and some people have not developed a high level of self-awareness because they've never really had to be self-conscious about their job they do and their skills and, and what they what value they add. Others are really have quite a well-developed awareness of that, but they don't know where to put it. So they, they, they know what they're good at, but they don't know what field or sector or, or kind of organization might be out there. It might be possible for them. And that's kind of a high-level way into it. A low-level way into it is to say to somebody, um, why would somebody recommend you? <laughs> which is a much shorter thing to say. <laughs> yes. Why would somebody recommend you? And you, when you've got past the, he's a really good guy stuff. Yes. And you get into, okay, but what, what do you know about? What do you, what, what do you shine at? What, 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 are you, what are you known for? What, what are your achievements? Then you actually get at self-awareness from a very different perspective. And it's a perspective that says, where do you have traction? So why would somebody recommend you? You know, And secondly, it says, what information do you want to highlight and foreground on your LinkedIn profile and in your resume and when you're chatting with people? Because we've said earlier on, it's a great thing to say, I'm exploring. But, you know, guess what? When you go to somebody and say, I'm exploring, and you ask them great questions, so I come along and ask you great questions about how you got into your line of work and what you enjoy about it and what's happening in your industry. 20 minutes later, almost as a social courtesy, you're going to say to me, well, what about you, John? What are you looking for? And it's the what are you looking for is a similar question. So that's the moment where you don't have to have an elevate, elevator pitch, but it's good to be able to say, well, I'm really interested in this and I enjoy this. And this is the kind of work that gives me a buzz. And this is what I'm really exploring and thinking about at the moment. Um, so, yeah, self-awareness sounds like a big kind of uh, almost an introverted activity. But in the end, it isn't. It's just about saying, what do you want people to know about? Mm-hmm. Good, good point. And for senior executives, it's often so much about the impact that they want to make. And so that's a question that I ask them to consider, um, which really, it really doesn't have anything to do with career at the moment or, uh, you know, next steps. It's just thinking about what is the most significant impact that you want to make now. And I think that's why this year, especially, and as you said, it's it's been long in coming, people have been uh, probably thinking about these shifts that they want to make for some time, but what is it that that kind of the world is calling for now? And to to not be afraid of really stepping into 
a new opportunity or creating a new opportunity that allows you to make the impact that you want to make in some way. So I think that that's something that separates a lot of the senior leaders that I see is they're not just thinking about, um, you know, what do I do next? It's what are the big problems that I want to conquer or help solve? And so I think that's a good question to to take part. I I fully endorse that because in fact, if you, because I've spent a lot of time in my past working with recruiters, external recruiters, and an external recruiter working with a senior candidate, that's one of the questions they're always going to ask is, what's the next big challenge for you? What's, where does the learning curve go for you next? Because they know that senior level people with great experience don't want to do the same thing over and over again. So it's how big is the next challenge? What's the shape of it? What does it look like? What's, what are the key ingredients? Um, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we're looking at questions which are both um, inward looking, but also external facing. So understanding yourself, but also understanding what it takes to get uh, traction in the marketplace so that people really understand what you're looking for, and then they can recommend you. Yes, yes. And connecting the two by being in conversation with people. So if you know of a problem that you want to solve or an issue that you really care about to begin just talking to other people who care about the same issues, much like you and I, we share this passion, this this interest in really wanting to help people move through change. And so it's at, at the same level with other senior executives in their work. Who is it that that they might know that they could just have a conversation with? to see what they're doing in that area. Um, that's how, how partnerships are formed and new business ideas are generated. So I, yeah, I like the fact that you're bringing up, it's both kind of an internal and external process. Yeah. Well, I think uh, what people often mis- misunderstand about the external process is they see it as a sales activity. So I kind of work out what I'm good at and then I go out and pitch at people, can tell people how good I am. Now there are points where you have to do that, but actually, when you're exploring, it's counterproductive because it's actually quite difficult to listen to. It's quite boring to listen to people tell you how great they are. <laughs> <laughs> it's much more interesting to have a conversation like we're having today. So you're in, if your instinct is, I'm exploring this challenge, it's a, a better rather than going to people to say, I can solve all your problems, it's actually more productive to say, I've been facing a challenge. You're facing something quite similar, but using technology that we don't use or in a market I don't understand. Can I have 10 minutes of your time? Because then you, you know, by asking great questions, you really learn about new sectors and new organizations. You maybe even get some feedback about your own working style. Uh, and people like to have that conversation. They like to help you and they remember you. It's a really different dynamic. Yes, yes. I often tell clients, think of it as a research project so that you're you're going in, you're, you're being inquisitive, you're showing curiosity. And like you said, not having to sell, not having to pitch, but just learn. And uh, great leaders are great learners anyway. So That's so true. Should, yeah. So we're talking practical tips right now. One of the tips I sometimes give my clients is to say, pretend you were doing it for somebody else. Pretend somebody said, I'll give you $10,000 to go and explore the market for me. We behave totally differently, wouldn't we? Because we don't, you don't have to sell yourself. You don't have to, you don't get put off by the first no. If somebody paid you to do it, you just keep looking, keep exploring. You'd say, who else should I be talking to? This is a great conversation. Where can I find out something more, something new? We we just collect and gather and make connections. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. True. Um, 
So just continuing to share other advice um, that I give and feel free to jump in. Um, another piece of advice I often share is to get as visible as you can. Uh, once you know the issues that you're uh, wanting to to be involved with, to, and, and oftentimes senior executives are already more, more visible than they care to be. But what I mean by that is being deliberate about the communication that you want to have out there, how you want to be positioning yourself in the marketplace as someone who can really help uh, make an impact on the issues that you want to. So whether that's writing an article or being interviewed, um, to, to really be more strategic about how you're communicating the, the kinds of issues that you care about, because a lot of times leaders can leverage the natural visibility that they might have, but to do it in a slightly different way uh, can, can help them prepare for what's next. Yeah, I think you've, you've nailed that one because at this level, people have visibility. The important thing is what is what messages is being carried. I mean, I do, I do a fun exercise, I often do it in workshops, and just to say to people, okay, two busy executives meet in front of a coffee machine tomorrow morning, and somebody's just pressed white coffee, two sugars, you know, and your name comes up in conversation. What is going to be said? Because you know somebody's waiting for a cup of coffee to drip through. It's only two <laughs> or three pieces of information. And actually, that's true. If, if you recommend somebody in a networking conversation, you only say two or three things about anybody. You don't give a long list. So um, this plays to your point about visibility, really. It's not just being visible. It's what literally what gets said when your name comes up. Now, if somebody says to you, well, I don't know what it is, then you, you have two responses. One is find out. And the second is create the script. Because if you constantly say to people, you know, I love doing this. I really like to uh, extend my knowledge of this. I want an opportunity to try this out somewhere. Those are your three messages. People remember them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. You, and you, you could even update your bio, right? Update if, you know, Absolutely. If, if you're giving that. a talk or when people are introducing you, uh, the more you can kind of begin shifting into the, the next uh, phase or, or focused on that issue, the more it'll help you move toward whatever that next, yeah. next phase so it's, it's shape the narrative, but keep it simple. Keep it short enough for someone else to use to memorize as a script yeah and do up i mean so you go back to an executive recruiter and you're essentially saying my narrative has changed and that's fine because they like that they like energized candidates who've got a clear story about themselves and know what they're looking for and that they will use those people yes yes Good. Well, I know that we're almost out of time. Are there any final thoughts that you can share <laughs> for executives that are really thinking about what's next in a deeper way, you know, not without panicking, without feeling the pressure, but just kind of easing into this, you know, what yeah. what is next? What We could what, say what a lot, couldn't we? But, but let's talk about pressure and panic. And we've already talked about imposter syndrome and what you can do about it. And we left that one hanging. So this is what I would do about imposter syndrome. I actively encourage my clients to have a support group and that's two positive-minded people that you meet at the same time not one-on-one so it's a group of three two positive-minded people who remind you what you're good at remind you of your track record and encourage you to keep looking and get past rejections and obstacles so that they're 
constantly saying, no, no, you're good at this. Keep going. Here's, find somebody else to talk to. How's this for an idea? Try this out. Come back and tell us. Uh, and it really works because the human brain is very, very good at seizing danger signals and negative information. It's the primeval brain looks for danger. And what you have to do is artificially put something on the other side of the scales, which is positive encouragement, feedback, the kind of people that say, get back on your horse, have another go. Uh, and it works. Yes, that takes us takes me back to our workshop because we work so much in triads. So it is a process that works. And that's not one that's talked about enough because there's often the, the advice of, well, get, get a coach or an executive advisor or work one-on-one, but to have two people. Well, I was absolutely, I was inspired by the trio idea we did in the parachute program. And that was often about feedback on storytelling and skill encouragement. What I've kind of done is adapt it to say, what happens if you've not got two, not a coach, but two positive-minded supporters? It's the pure effect of having people who literally say, no, no, you were good at this. This is something you excel at. This is something you can talk about with confidence. It, it does a very, very powerful effect, but you have to sustain it because there are ups and downs in this. I don't need to tell you that. There are <laughs> yes. ups and downs in this. And when people are in the down phase, they make all kinds of weird decisions like, you know, I'm not really up to this and I'm an imposter and I think I'll stop applying or I'll, I'll stay where I am. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The easy path. Yeah. The easy path. Yes. Good. Well, I so appreciate uh, your perspective on these issues. My goal for this podcast was really to help people understand that whatever they're thinking, they're probably not alone. Um, when you are at the top, it's hard sometimes to even articulate what's going on in your mind and to have a place to, to think through things. So, um, I know that people are in lots of different phases of thinking through what's next, but it's being uh, really amplified uh, this year. And during the end of the year, as people are thinking about what's next in 2021, they want to take charge. So you've offered so many uh, great, great tips and perspective. I want to let people know how they can reach you. So I would, I would say go to John Lee's careers.com as the best place. Uh, there's a lot on that site. So, <laughs> Well, that's my website. That's right. And you can find out information there about uh, about the books I do. And um, mo most of my activities are uh, here in the UK. But um, there, there's some outreach uh, through some of my books into other markets. And uh, I occasionally do things for um, uh, Harvard Business Review online. Uh, just We just refreshed some material on there about job search and um, CVs and cover letters and things like that. So yeah, I'm in different places. Yes. Well, these issues are universal. So I know that they apply uh, globally. And I really encourage people to check out your site and a few books that you've written. So only 13 so far, John, is that right? It's 15. So, 15. Oh, 15. Sorry to correct okay. you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. So lots of wisdom to share and insight. So again, so grateful to have you in this conversation today that I know will be of help to uh, so many other people who are listening in. Speaking of which, if you are listening in and you've gotten this far with us, I know that you're serious about thinking through what's next. Um, I encourage you to reach out to me if I can be of help. Um, you know how to reach me through ceoonthegopodcast.com. Would love to hear questions or feedback on the podcast or certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. 
um, I encourage you to use these next few weeks as a time to really get the clarity and focus that you need to move forward into the new year with more power and purpose. So I hope you have a, a great rest of the week doing the work that matters to you. Until next time, take care. Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and visit workmatters.com. And if you have a question or a suggestion for a future topic for the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. So keep growing as a leader and doing the work that matters to you. Until next time. Mm-hmm.